You know, the, the word that's been on my heart for several months, and we're really kicking off a series today called Seen. And so many of us go through life, especially, you know, B.C., before Christ, and we just don't feel seen. We feel hidden many times. We feel pushed back. We can be in the center of the crowd and getting all the attentions, but yet, attention, but yet being alone. There's many of us who have been far away from God and know what it's like to not have that void filled in your heart with the presence of Holy Spirit. There's many under the sound of my voice today that you've been serving God for a month, a year, or decades. But there's still times in your life you don't feel seen. You don't feel there's a connection between you and Abba, between you and Daddy. Especially going through a time of seclusion and oppression and fear that we've been dealing with for over two years with this COVID deal. And I'm not saying it didn't exist. It did, obviously, and it had impact. But I think greater impact than the tragic deaths and the tragic illnesses, and some of you are still overcoming part of that attack on your body even today, and we're believing for your total healing. But it has been proven in, social, in our social arena and, and psychology arena that it's brought much greater harm to the mental health of our nation. Suicides are up like 700%. Addictions up. Overdoses are up. Divorces are up. People have gained weight, and now their health is really spiraling down. And I want you to realize that, that Satan had a plan. And Jesus made it very clear in John 10.10. He said, Satan comes to do what? Steal kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, what? Have come to do what? And life more abundantly. And that's what being seen is all about. Being seen is realizing that whether you're a Saul on your road of Damascus and you get knocked off your beast and there's Jesus standing in front of you, giving you hope, letting him know he was seen. And Paul stepped out in faith and obeyed the voice of God and he became a great apostle that we still pillow our heads on his writings today, inspired by the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus saw Simon. You know, Simon, Barjona, Simon means one who hears. Bar means son, and Jonah means dove. Peter's surname was Simon Barjona. It meant the one who hears the Spirit. Now, Peter didn't know that he would become Peter, and he didn't realize that he would actually become a rock in the church, that the gates of hell shall not prevail. Obviously, Jesus is the rock, but he is a pebble of that rock, just like you and I are a pebble of that rock. But what happens is when you feel insignificant, when you feel like God's giving breakthroughs to this family or that person, but you seem to get overlooked, when you feel like you're the one that's not getting noticed or getting the attention that others are getting, it can make you feel like you're at the back of the bus, that you're at the end of the line. But I want to encourage you, the Bible says God is what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same God that sent his son and the same son that came and died and rose again for you and took back the keys of life and death and, and hell and the grave, that is the same one that lives in every born-again believer today, the same Holy Spirit 
the same power, the same anointing. It's the same healing power. It's the same saving power, and it's certainly the same delivering power. Everybody on the count of three, shout, I am free. Come on, shout, I am free. You may say, well, I don't feel free. Well, you will be here in a few moments. <laughs> you know, as I get ready to, I, I want to read this scripture. Let's look at Luke 23. I'm going to read verses 32 through 39 to you. We're going to begin. I want everybody to say this with me. Love sees. Love sees. Say it on the count of three. Love sees. One, two, three. You see, we always know when someone loves us, we feel we have their attention, right? We feel that they see us. And what, what do I mean see? It means they've kind of measured you up. They've accepted you, which is part of who we are at Bethel, right? Our mission statement, a place where you belong, where you're loved and accepted as you are, not as you or anyone else thinks you should be. A place where you believe in Jesus and his word. A place where you become who God designed you to be. A place where you're to make a difference every day in every way. And that's what God's called us to do, right? Well, the difference started with the difference maker, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Now, they just began to take him to the hill called Golgotha, but he was joined by some other folks. Luke 23, beginning in verse 32, says, There were also two other criminals, two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they were crucified with him. The criminals, one on the right hand and one on the left. Then Jesus said to the Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. Who was he saying forgive? Those that crucified him, those that were mocking him and making fun of him. They divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And the inscription also that was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew simply said, this is the king of the Jews. Verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw, everybody say saw, what had happened, he glorified God. Wait a minute, a few moments ago, they were mocking God. Certainly this was a righteous man, he said. And the whole crowd who came together 
to that site, seeing, everyone say seeing, seeing what had been done. Remember the crowd that was making fun of him and jeering at him and taunting him, beat their breasts and returned. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. As I get into this message and talk to you about being seen, because we all want to be seen, right? Especially by God. You know, I've pastored now over 33 years, and uh, I don't know, 23 or so here, but a total of about 33 years. And there's something I've known about, noticed about people who, you know, don't attend church or not part of a church on a regular basis or members, when they come to kind of holidays that they would call like this, whether it's Christmas or whether it's Easter or whatever, especially on Easter, they may come to those. I've noticed three different types of patterns of the way people think, many people think. The first one is this, it's the sentimentalist, right? They say, I love the story that they told today. It was so awesome. It almost made me cry. It almost brought me to tears, but it really won't change me or make a difference in my life. That's one mindset that's here today and watch it online. Here's another mindset. They never read my Bible, but I'm spiritual anyway person. You know that person? Maybe you. They say this, interesting service, right? I get the story. I, I just have no idea why Jesus came. I have no idea why he died. I had no idea why it even really matters that he rose again. It doesn't matter anyway. I have my own beliefs. I hope it helped and comforted these folks today. Here's the third one, the cynic. Says, yes, I know what this service is all about. I can't believe I had to come here. I can't believe my spouse, my friend, my wife, my family, my work associate made me come here. When are we going to get out of this place anyway? And that's the way much of the nation is today. Cynical about the things of God. Cynical about assembling ourselves together. And Satan obviously has, you know, brought that to even a greater uh, realm of attention, bringing fear into the matter beyond just being cynical or beyond just being negative. But now we have the whole thing to do with fear. But as I think about those three different mindsets, those three different patterns of those of you that maybe don't attend church or not part of a church, it's not like you're not to be saved to a church, you're saved to Jesus, through Jesus Christ. You're saved by grace through faith. He's married to the church. We become his sons and daughters, so we assemble ourselves together. And his church is not in a building that's in every believer. The Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You carry treasure in these earthen vessels. So we really, the church is not a building. We are the church. We are the temple of God on this planet. So we need to honor that. But what's interesting is this conversation that takes place between the man in the center, the son of God, and the man that's a criminal on the left and the man that's a criminal on the right. The content is very important to us that this conversation happened between Jesus and these two criminals. They were hanging on the cross when all this takes place. But the timing is even more significant to us. Think about it. It's the culmination of history. It's, it's, it's the time where for thousands of years they've been waiting on the Savior, and he's finally here. And the Savior is what? 
he, he is getting ready to give his life and his blood and defeat death, hell, and the grave. All at once here in just a few moments, in a matter of moments, everything's going to change. Everything's transferring over. The Old Testament is going to be fulfilled, not done away with, but fulfilled. And the New Testament, the New Covenant, is going to be established. And here we are, we're seeing all this happening. Everybody say, in moments. Not hours, not days. Not years, not decades, but in moments. But what blows me away is how Jesus sees both criminal, criminals, whether one's cynical and one's positive or not. He gives them both his time. He gives them both his attention right in the middle of eternity, right in the middle when billions, billions, billions of lives are on the line, whether we would have atoning blood to someday to become sons and daughters of God, whether you and I would have an opportunity to escape this earth suit, but also escape the bowels of hell and end up in heaven with our heavenly father, that someday billions of people would be able to live on this planet and we would be able to walk. How? We would be able to walk like heaven is on earth. Because that's how Jesus told us to pray, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven as in, on earth as it is in heaven. And we are walking around as earthen vessels with this heavenly treasure, Holy Spirit living in us, able to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. But if you don't feel seen, it might get in there. If you don't feel that God has your back, that he's got your attention or you have his attention, it's easy to allow fear to slip in. It's easy to allow doubt and unbelief to slip in. But here he is, the why of what the reason Jesus is here is so cool. He doesn't have to speak it out. He illustrates it. He illustrates it by the way he treats these two criminals and stops everything for just a moment and ministers to them. And then it illustrates that the people that were soldiers that were making fun of him and the crowd that was jeering at him and, and humiliating him while he's hanging there naked, beaten and bludgeoned like he was, they all realized he was the son of God when he took his last breath. You know, whenever we don't feel seen from God, we forget he's taken his last breath as a man and he said, it is finished. It is finished. Everything he promised now is available. It is finished. Anything that's separating you from God, you have an opportunity to have victory over it. Anything that's pushing you down, holding you back, attacking you mentally or physically, whatever's going on in your life, today, in a moment, you can have that assurance of the Holy Spirit living, of Holy Spirit living in you, able to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. But with these two nameless criminals, you know, it's kind of interesting as we look at Luke's gospel. You know, Luke sometimes can be kind of sporadic, and then he gets very detailed. The other guys, they hit it. John and Matthew kind of hit it quickly, but they were more detailed about other things. But Luke zeroed in on this blimp of a conversation, just a few verses of a conversation. None of the rest of them really talked about. They just said he was hung between two thieves, right? He was on the cross between two thieves. But Luke kind of dove into it, and I believe it gives us an understanding of how significant we are before we come to Christ and even after we've come to Christ. They felt condemned. They felt unseen, but now they're on display with Jesus. 
And a lot of times, whenever we're dealing with these things, we feel like or we act like, well, it doesn't really bother us. It doesn't bother me that they're offended with me. or It doesn't bother me that they don't like me. It doesn't bother me that I'm battling this addiction. I'm just going gonna, gonna to buckle up and just tough it through. Yes, it bothers you. It eats at you. It tears at you when people don't accept you as you are, when people don't love you for who you really are, when people don't seem to see you. It's like, you know, they'll shake everyone's hand in a row but you, right? You're the one at work that doesn't get the, no, the notice. You've done more than the guy that got the promotion, but he got the promotion. It just seems like you're invisible or you're unseen. When we think about these men, we think about hanging there on that cross and how that it is truly a condemning feeling. And that's the, the spirit of Satan is a spirit of condemnation. And when you look at the word there in the Greek, krino, it means to judge. Whenever you're hanging there, whether you're hanging in your marriage or you're hanging in a relationship with your children or you're just hanging at work or you're hanging with battling this addiction or sickness, whatever it might be, and you're just kind of battling, you feel like you're hanging and you feel like you're not really seen until the bad stuff happens and everybody gives their attention to you. Whenever you feel like it, what do you feel? You feel judged. But the Bible is not talking about you being judged. It says in 2 Corinthians that if we would judge ourselves in that day, we will not be judged. This said, don't judge other people. Judge your own heart. That doesn't mean you condemn it. You judge it one time. You judge it one time, and that's when you say, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I need my Lord and Savior, and you accept him in your heart to be your Lord. That's, whenever, that's the judgment you need. After that, the judgment's in God's hands. Now, you make decisions, and you've got to deal with your behavior but you have the Spirit of God and the Word of God and mentors to help you with that. So I want to declare this over the next few moments that, moments that God sees the unseen. And it's proven here as we look at these two criminals that whenever uh, Jesus is beginning to minister to them or they begin to ask him questions, the first criminal says this, he begins to challenge Jesus it says, aren't you the Christ? They didn't say, aren't you a Christ? Because there was anointed people. Christ means Christos, anointed one, and his anointing. But there was only one that was the Christ, the anointed one with the anointing of God that was his own son. Uh, I, I could get into that more, but there are all kinds of false Christ too, right? But there's just one Christ, and they recognized him as the Christ. They recognized him that a lot of the people out there had not recognized him as hanging between him right here. But look what comes out of this man. Aren't you the Christ? Can't you get us off the cross and take us with you? Now, if we're honest, most of us would judge this criminal and say, my goodness, and we have judged him when we've heard this story in the Bible, right? How could he be that arrogant? How could he be that ungrateful, knowing that that is the Christ that he's hanging there with, and all he's cared about is what he needs right now? Oh? All he cares about is his human needs. He wants relief. He wants freedom. He, he wants to get off that cross, and he wants to go on his way. Is that the way you are, God? I don't know. I thought I knew you, but, you know, really what I need is to be free of this addiction. And if you don't do that, you don't measure up. God, I need you to fix my marriage. If you don't do that, you don't measure up. God, straighten these kids out. If you don't do that, you don't measure up. God, take this sickness from my body. If you don't do that, then you measure God by what you believe he has not done. But he said it is finished. 
He's already finished the work of salvation through his blood, atoning blood. He already finished healing. By his stripes you were healed, 1 Peter 2.24 said. By his stripes you were healed. Isaiah 53 says you're what? You're healed by the stripes of Christ. It takes away your sin, your iniquity, the atoning blood. But the stripes of Christ take away your sickness and your disease, even your emotional disease. So I want you to realize everything he needs to do for you, he has done. He's finished it, but how do you see him? You see, we can look to some Easter holiday. We all dress up. We come together. You know, we got good food later. Hopefully you do. I know I do. And, and, and all that good stuff going on. And, but is it really life changing? Is it really eternity defining? Because the truth is we will spend eternity somewhere. Somewhere we will spend forever. The question is, will it be with God or the God of this world in hell? So the first criminal, he's challenging him. Isn't that the way many of us are? You know, God, if you can't take care of my finances, God, if you can't take care of my career, you know, God, if you can't find me someone to date, find me someone to marry, God, if you can't get these handcuffs off so I can get out of jail, then he must not be listening to us. He must not care about me. He, he must not be powerful enough to deliver me. He could deliver those other people, but what about me? See, whenever we're in a cross position, be careful. It's easy to feel entitled. Whenever I'm in a, sick, a situation where I'm sickness and in a need, it's easy for me to feel, well, God, look at these other people. They have the sniffles. I need a heart transplant. Well, God, look at these other people. They, they just have a broken foot. I'm a diabetic. Lord, look at these other people. You know, I've already been diagnosed. I don't have long to live. It's easy to say, God, put me in the front of the line. God said, I put you in the front of the line when I died for you 2,000 years ago. Now it's up to you to see him as he sees you. He sees you healed. He sees you saved. He sees you free. But until you get an understanding of how he really sees, that's why we're here today. We're not here to talk about the story of what happened. You knew that. You, you could never even been to church and know the story of why, what happened. You know, this guy came as God, born in this young girl, and, you know, this virgin girl, and some weird stuff happened. I don't know. He's supposed to be, I don't know, God, man, all the, I don't know how all that stuff works. I mean, you know, like we always say around here, what? You don't know how, what, a brown cow eating green grass, living in a red barn, makes white milk. We don't understand all that stuff with that old kinesiology. I can't even say the word and all that. We don't understand all that. But I guess somehow it has something to do with our eternity, whatever. I'll just go show up because my wife said I had to. My mom said I had to. I'm going to be shunned at work if I don't. Everybody else's work's going to church. I just found a place to go to church today. How lonely that must be. How lonely that must be. Because really what we're saying when we say that, I know about it, but I don't understand the why. We're saying I don't have any hope. I don't have any, I've tried to change for a decade or for decades. I, I, I'm, I am what I am, right? I know what I know. I'll just be who I'll be. Yeah, that's true. Or you can be different and you can know more 
and you can be transformed throughout eternity. But it's up to you because Christ, the why is the fact that not what happened, but why he did what he did, laying his life down for you and I, dying and defeating death, hell, and the grave, and resurrecting on the third day. The why is so you could be free, so you could be healed, so you could be born again, so you could be blood-bought, so you would have hope. So you could be transformed. So you could have the spirit of joy, peace, temperance, kindness, meekness, patience, faith, and love, and hope living in you all at the same time. That you don't have to get hope. The Bible says in Galatians 5, in you the Holy Spirit is hope, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, patience, and faith. In you. So if I'm blood-bought, if I'm born again, and Holy Spirit's living in me, I don't have to pray for hope. Hope's in me. I don't have to pray for joy. Joy is in me. I don't have to pray for patience. Patience is in me. But do you see? Or do you see? Do you see the what or the why? Do you see the how or what could be? It's up to you. Christ has already done his work. Let's jump quickly to the second criminal on the other side of Jesus. In verses 40 through 42, says this, again, says, But the other answering rebuked him, saying to the other criminal, rebuked criminal, Do you not even fear God? In other words, they both knew it was God hanging there with Do you not fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? You're under the same judgment as he is. But he says, look, you're under it. We deserve it. He said, and we indeed justly, we deserve it, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. You see, these two men represent both sides, two sides of humanity. The one, the first criminal, is focused on here and now. God, you know, what was that candy, that here and now candy? Is that what it is? Remember that? Or, now or later, right? Yeah. So if you don't get a revelation here and now, you're going to be now and later is what you're going to be. I don't know. That's what you're going to be. I always love that stuff. That's tart. I love that cherry, that grape. Look out now. Come on, I'm getting hungry. I'm take a drink of water. My mouth's starting to drool just thinking about that. You see, whenever we look at this this way and we're focused on the here and now, but the other looks at the bigger picture, and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The first criminal sees the cross as the problem. Get this now. He sees the trial, the temptation as the problem, the addiction, the pain, the suffering, the disease as the problem. But look what the second criminal sees. He sees the means by which he got there as the problem. In other words, he doesn't see the results of his sin. He sees the sin. Sin means separated from God. That's all it really means. People, it means do bad. or do, no, no, it means separation from God. That's what it means. That's the same term for death as well. Death and sin, that's what it is, being separated from God. And what we come to understand here is, are we going to be that here and now Christian? You know, some of you are here and now Christians and your faith level is not really that high ever because you don't ever see things break through in your life like you want to see it break through and you're just kind of hanging around and existing so you don't go to hell, but at least you'll make it to heaven. Well, you can have heaven on earth. 
The Bible says in Matthew's gospel, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You as a son of God, you as a daughter of God, you have kingdom rights. You have authority to speak to the devil and he must flee. You have authority to speak to sickness and it must go. You have authority to speak to addiction and it must break off your life. But if you're here now, Christian, you can't get that faith gauge up because things don't happen quick enough and fast enough for you. Or you're that other Christian, non-Christian, that says, you know, if you'll do something for me, I'll do something for you, God. But the second criminal said, look, I see my issue. I see what brought me to this point. I see why I'm in these handcuffs. I see why I'm hanging on this cross. You see, the first one is more about get rid of this condemnation, get me free so I don't look so bad up here. But the other one is saying, do a deep work on me. God, do a deep work on me. I'll wrap up with this. The man in the center, center, the son of God, trading his life for both seen and unseen people like you and me. He saw the criminal that was a here and now non-believer. He saw him right there. He saw the believer over here, the person that wants to be a believer, and he wants to serve God. He wants to be in the kingdom of God and recognizes that. He saw them both for what they were. But what is so crazy, he took time, like stopped every. I mean, think about it. You know, you heard it out of Revelations, and the Spirit of God, God is like God up there, and he's throning. He's got his white stallion, and he's going around Calvary, sending his angels, Micah, and all of them are going around, right, with their white stallion, beating it with their leather strap, and that leather stallion just waiting, waiting for Jesus to die so that they could resurrect him. And then we're seeing all this, and Satan is going around. Is that him? Is that truly him? And whenever Jesus finally takes his last breath, there's such an earthquake, and the moon turns, the sun, everything turns red. There's an earthquake. And the veil of the temple, which represents our atoning blood, rips from top to bottom in the Holy of Holies. All these events happen at once, but just moments. Maybe two, three, four, five moments prior to the ages changing forever, whether we change or not. Ages changing forever. Who's in charge of this earth? Changing forever. Stop to listen to the one on one side that could care less about him. He only wanted his problem fixed. And he stopped and he listened to him and he saw him. Then the other one got his attention who wanted not his problem fixed, but he wanted his eternal destination changed. And he listened and he saw him. So Jesus saw both. But only one man saw Jesus. See, people know about God. Oh, you're the Christ. You're the preacher. You're the anointed one. You're the servant. You're the elder. You're the leader. Yeah, yeah, that's what you all are. Oh, you're spirit-filled, inter- non-spirit-filled, interdenominational, denominational. You're all these. Blah, 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 blah. That's all you see here and now. You see the frailty of man, the frailty of woman. You see Christians blow it, especially if you're in a Christian family, because family, we can't hide much from each other, right? You see that there's frailty and there's weakness. Yeah, we're all strong in Christ, but in ourselves we're not. We make mistakes and we say stupid stuff. We do stupid stuff. 
It's easy for you to be a here now person. I would serve God, but for those church people. I would come to Christ if it wasn't for my crazy family. I would come to Christ if my wife would stop talking like that to me or my husband would quit treating me that way. I would come to Christ if my parents weren't so crazy. You can wood your way all the way to hell, sir. And wood your way all the way to hell, ma'am. Because God is no respecter of persons. He gave the same respect to both criminals. But only one saw God. You see, he saw you, because Hebrews says this, that he endured the suffering of the cross for the joy, you and I, that he saw that was set before him in the ages. He saw us, and he sees us. And he's always waiting. But the Bible says this, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is promised to no person, or no man, but really no person. This is the day. This is the moment for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and you listening online, I want you to take this seriously as well. Which one are you? Maybe you're fine. Maybe you're, you know, I'm blood-bought, everything's great, but are you like the one criminal that says, well, God, if you could fix this and that, I'd serve you. I prayed, God, I'm waiting for you to move. When you do, I'll give my life to you. Or I already know about you, God. I see all these crazy Christians and stuff. I, I, you know, Lord, I, I don't know if I'm not ready for that. I, I can't stop all my sin and I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Well, you're already a hypocrite because you're judging something you don't know about. You're judging something that you've never tasted. It's like, uh, it's like the old atheist sitting out in the theater when the evangelist is preaching and He's cursing the evangelist and saying, there's no God, there's no God, there's no salvation. The evangelist says, really? And he takes a big, beautiful orange, and it's late in the evening, it's hot, and he starts peeling that orange. He says, there's not, right? He says, no, there's not. He says, well, come up here, sir. And the guy comes up and says, keep talking. He keeps peeling that orange. He says, ah, oh, and he takes a bite of that orange, peels another piece, and he says, sir, do you know what this orange tastes like? Well, I would if I had an opportunity to taste it, but you're eating it all. He said, that's the same way salvation is. You don't know what it's like till you taste it for yourself. So you could judge all you want to judge. The only judgment you will face is when you take your last breath. Your name is written in the book of life or it's not. You take your last breath. The Bible says to be absent from your body is to be present with the Lord. The question is, which Lord will you be with? the Lord of this world, with Satan in hell, because that's where he's going to be. You might beat him there, but he will be there because the Revelation says at the end of all this thing, he's going to bind up Satan and all of his imps and throw him in the lake of fire forever. That fire of hell was not created for you or me. It was created for Satan and his angels. But you'll be waiting on him right there forever and ever. Or you can be like the second criminal and say, hey, I don't have time to judge anybody. I just need to give my life to you. Would you just have mercy on me, Lord? W would you just bring me with you? Didn't Jesus say, don't worry about where I go. Where I go, you will also go. And in my Father's house are many mansions waiting on you. He's got a mansion waiting on you. You can have a mansion in heaven. And you say, well, that sounds like a fairy tale. Well, obviously you haven't had a bite of the orange that I'm eating. Right? You've tried the world, try God. 